It began with a celebration, shattered by brutal violence. Until Michael Dudikoff, star of American Ninja, became the avenging force. What have you? I missed. Gentlemen, Captain Madhunter, one of the best agents my department ever had. He's the only one who can oppose a deadly brotherhood. They have a hunting club. A what? A hunting club. Except they don't hunt animals. They hunt men. Bring them down. Now, in the ultimate form of pure savage combat, they are the hunters. And he is the target. In the final confrontation, the deadliest enemy meets the avenging force. Avenging force. When getting even just isn't enough. Excited. I'm so excited. I, I just got my nunchucks nunchucks back from the uh, from the shop. They were uh, they had they needed a polish. Yeah, I was gonna say that you need a polish on those every every ten days. They need a polish. Yeah, and I I don't do it uh, myself anymore. I get them professionally done. Mm-hmm. So so they're looking now sharp. You- Good. Uh, now, what color do you, you have them polished? Just a straight black, or did you go like pink? Uh, not well. I do pink in in October for breast cancer awareness. Of course, uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, like the uh, like the NFL does. Um, yeah. but uh, no, typically a black, a nice black sheen over mm-hmm. the whole thing. So you really want a sparkle and a, and a and a shine to come off of those nunchucks, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. They gotta be. They gotta be smooth and and glistening. Um, well, I'm so glad we are. Uh, we're talking about our, our nunchuck um, collection, really, uh, being what uh, we we talked about last week. And uh, before we get to that, I am John Diner, and I'm David Munchak, and this is Reconcinimation, your podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the '70s, '80s, and '90s, and we're looking at. How they hold up in uh, today, 2020. What did do movies from 1972, 1983, 1986? Do they work in 2020? And uh, we're gonna we're taking a look at a very very popular one today, um, David. You know we had so much fun last week with our, our very special guest EK, uh, looking at Canon Films, the Canon Film Group, as a whole. Yeah, yes, the, 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 the monster legacy of Canon Films. Uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, and boy, did you need to. You know, you weren't, uh, I don't think you were that familiar with, with the group, uh, with the Canon Films before uh, our last episode, right? Yeah, I mean, I had an awareness of them for sure. The logo, uh, certain films I'd already seen, the, some of the bigger names, but, uh, you know, to, to understand what it what canon films really is and and its impact on the industry as a whole i really had no clue yeah i mean it was such there were such a a presence in 
basically in the 80s, you know, uh, just a little bit before, a little bit after, but uh, such a major presence that uh, it's funny because they were such a major presence, but yet they were complete outsiders the entire time. Uh, but they had just such a huge amount of content they were put, putting out. And, you know, uh, some some things that, that hold up today and a lot that that really doesn't. But <laughs> but we took a, uh, a, a such a deep look at it. I, I wanted to just kind of stay in that world and get a little even more specific this week. Um, and, of course, I'm going to go with my favorite my favorite dude in the whole group. And that's Michael Dudikoff, my friend. Oh yeah, the star, the legend, Michael Dudikoff. Yeah. He was uh so, you know, for anyone who missed our our last episode, Canon Films was a a film production company and then later distributor who financed gosh, they started as almost uh almost like softcore movies um that you know by the early 80s had morphed into complete action the action genre and really tried to take it over um you know a lot of you know movies that probably required a bigger budget than what they had but they made do with what with what money they did have and you know it was a lot of chuck norris uh charles bronson movies uh, a few stallones here and there some van damme and of course it's the uh, it's the production company that made michael dudikoff however briefly a major household name absolutely i mean you were talking about dudikoff at your house weren't you david <laughs> there was a time where there was always chatting dudikoff i mean <laughs> <laughs> It definitely he came up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Canon Films, uh, which didn't really survive uh, too too much longer out of the eighties, it made it till about nineteen ninety four, but was uh, was run by uh, two Israeli cousins, Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus, uh, who were that the creative and financial heads of this company, and you know what an interesting uh, group that was, and. You know, you, you can argue what their level of quality and and taste was, and and it definitely showed on screen. Yeah, th- there's a certain uh, a certain style uh, that kind of is a nice through line through through most of the films of that of that era until you really get some big money behind a lot of those. But uh, yeah, the, there's certain 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 aesthetic, I think, right? That, that's kind of part of it. Oh yeah, it? yeah. Uh, and not that it was taking it away out of like the cinematographer, or director, or production design, but it's when you, I guess, you have a certain budget and a cer- you know, you're telling a certain story that's that they're all that the uh, that they were heavily involved with. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain there's only there's an economy in the shots and 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 certain things that just have to be done a certain way. So, yeah, you can you can sort of tell when things are in the canon family, right? Yeah, I mean, they were very, you know, they they moved fast and hard. Uh, They would, uh, you know, come up with an idea and they were great salesmen that they would get these movies financed very quickly based off a a quick idea. And, you know, it was the 1980s. So it was was the arguably the prime of the action genre or one of the first primes of the action genre. And, you know, they were pumping out movies left and right but they'd have an idea in january and by march they'd be shooting so that's not a lot of time to really spend on 
you know, creatively getting an idea formulated. And even if the writers, I, I know a lot of the canon writers did have quality in mind, but because of the speed at which they wanted to make these movies, it was kind of robbed of that opportunity. And it was just about the action and not going to spend much time on uh, or money on going after, you know, uh, high quality actors and, and, um, you know, the whole creative team. So, so they'd just be pushing out. I mean, they were doing, uh, they were doing about 40 movies a year, I think at one point. I mean, it, it's crazy <laughs> how, how quick they were turning these around. And so the film we're talking about today, that's like right in the middle of the, the height of that, like 86. Is that kind of where we're at? They took over Canon Films. Golan and Globus took over Canon Films in 1979, and and uh, you know by the you know mid 80s was their peak. So I, I want to say it was like 84 to 87. I think the Delta Force was kind of their ultimate peak, and uh, Avenging Forces is right in there with that. But it's a much lesser known film. Um, you know, Michael Dudikoff is sort of like a like a spinoff of of Chuck Norris it was like when when Duda, when Chuck Norris passed on a movie because either wasn't interested or wasn't available or was doing you know was doing another movie already that it kind of rolled over to Dudikoff but um, Michael Dudikoff was a, a young aspiring actor you could see him in he, he's a basically an extra in Tron which uh, we covered right yeah, last last year you can dig that through in our, our archives at www.reconcinemation.com. Uh, he was an extra. He was also in Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. You can catch him there. But he was still a struggling actor in the mid '80s, and and was actually a I believe he was a waiter at a restaurant in Malibu that Golan and Globus were at, and they just kind of fell in love with his look and his charm and and felt like at the time they were sort of riding on a high and could make a lead out of anybody. So they're going to take this essentially a model <laughs> and turn him into an action star. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a look to him that it's not surprising that he's in, you know, any kind of Hollywood films or, or TV or whatever. So uh, the fact that they saw him and they were like, this is our next star. Uh, that's pretty, pretty amazing. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And him, it's make yeah. him the face of, of like franchises, basically uh, pretty neat. Look, and, and I don't want to like, I'm not going to just, you know, take a dump on Michael Dudikoff. Cause I actually, I love the guy, <laughs> but no, uh, there's no, there's no, yeah. Reason to like do that. he's, do, he was doing the best that he could with what he had also. And, uh, you know, but they looked at him and they saw James Dean. They saw a young Clint Eastwood that they could mold and really make this superstar to like maybe even take the mantle from Chuck Norris and Charles Bronson as they were, you know, get, especially Charles Bronson was much older at that point. I think Chuck Norris still had some legs, but um, yeah, you know, they could make this guy their new young rising star and the lead of this franchise and. And that started with uh, American Ninja, which is a that's that's a movie, as as you would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll be saying that about this one too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Amer American Ninja came out in 1985 and was 
basically like G.I. Joe the movie. I mean, it was it was a another way to get, um, you know, what what Chuck Norris would be doing, except, you know, much younger, much. I wouldn't say flashier, but just like a new, fresher version of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen American Ninja? I haven't. I I know of it. I'm aware of it. But uh, no, I never I've never seen it. It's it's like American Ninja. Come on, <laughs> what's that about? No such thing. Except well, now it is. Avenging Force came from a combo of American Ninja being popular and and wanting to push Michael Dudikoff. But also, there's a little movie they made uh, the prior year called Invasion USA, starring Chuck Norris. Have you seen that movie? And I know the answer to this. No, that's a yes. That's a yes. <laughs> we screened that at Recon Cinema Studios last year, and it uh, literally blew you out of the theater, didn't it? Yeah. No, I like I literally was blasted out of my seat uh, and thrown through a wall uh, with with all the intensity <laughs> that it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, uh, Invasion USA is a, I think it's really one of Chuck Norris's best action movies uh, in that it's just this nonstop insanity of massive explosions and a huge death count. And it's about this, uh, I believe it was a communist group invading uh, USA and Atlanta and like taking over basically. And uh it's like an attack on American soil, and they destroy this town, just are blowing up people's houses and a lot of innocent people getting killed. And, and of course, Chuck is uh, dispatched to stop it. And you know, you know the rest, don't you, David? Oh, yeah. He saves America. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck saves America part one, two, three. I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's, an impressive, it's an impressive concept of a film uh, that... You know, terrorists come come from out of nowhere and spread death and destruction among innocent American civilians, uh, which is not something that that you wouldn't you would have been putting on film, like you know, in in that way, like terrorists just indiscriminately killing, like doing what terrorists do, um, which is you know, the, the not something Americans ever really worried about. So no. uh, it's like. You know, there were terrorism. There was terrorism all over, uh, but not really something that was uh, that was done here. It, it, terrorism was easier uh, in Europe and the Middle East and things of that nature. So um, this was a this was a I don't know. Was it was it looking into the future? Um, in a <laughs> sense, but I mean, the the movie itself is what I thought was kind of impressive, which is the scope of the damage that they did and. A lot of the the set pieces and and stunts, uh, you know, I, I, at the time I, when we were watching it, I was I was pretty impressed with what they were doing. I mean, like you said, lots of lots of explosions, lots of like things going on constantly. <laughs> like, well, so, there's you uh, know, yeah, there's there's different like levels to the canon films. Uh, I mean, they're all basically they you know, in movies like that were born out of the Cold War mentality and the you know U.S. versus Russia or communism and. And very, very clear lines of, you know, quote unquote, good versus evil. Um, But they, you know, they didn't worry about really 
you know, dense plots and um, emotional interactions and motivations. That wasn't the point. They just felt like, you know, people wanted to see action and we're going to give them action. And some of their movies, like you can tell the difference of, of when they look cheap and when they don't. And, you know, we again, we talked about this all last week, but as you get into the late 80s, with the canon films, the more they got into, you know, computer effects and visual effects is where it was really where they weakened. And you could see how, how cheap the movies were when they went with straight action and just stunts and explosions. You know, they were better at that. And, and Invasion USA and even like Missing in Action and uh, some of the Chuck things and a couple of the Dudikoff movies are examples of that. But they don't really look that cheap. They don't look maybe super po- as polished as like predator and and terminator and uh, you know rambo 2 um but they don't look as bad as a lot of the other stuff that was out there in the 80s yeah for sure i mean i don't know anything about the budgets of of these films and stuff like that but you know you you're hiring talented talented stunt people but i mean i think i feel like you're 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 not spending a lot on on like wardrobe and things like that you're not getting like and you know you're you're doing what's practical um what you can get kind of get done in a in a quick amount of time so you're kind of doing things and moving on i, I feel yeah. like you know you, you know and that's that's part of the the reason I, i'm i'm assuming you know you, you can kind of make commentary on some of these performances but you know if actors don't have time to even work with the material that they're given um and work with each other you know you're you're going to you're only going to get a certain performance so it is like depending on you know the uh, uh the quality of the script from the from the get go and then you know you're limiting really much, like how much time you're spending on any given scene mm-hmm. um yeah you're going to turn out a product that's like that doesn't quite have that that hollywood kind of look i mean you know right. a, a, a huge blockbuster movie or you know in the 80s it's going to take months and months to shoot it um, whereas I think they're turning these movies around within within um, within a month, right? I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah, really fast on these things. You know, couple really. Of weeks. I mean, the whole the whole start to finish process for all of their movies was really quick, basically as, as quick as you could do it. And um, you know, they they did not spend time on doing a lot of takes and working with the actors. I mean, even in a movie like Delta Force, like they've got major actors in that. They've got. Shelley Winters and George Kennedy and Lee Marvin and, 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 you know, they're not worrying about performances and um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, they're really fascinating. These Canon films. That's why I love them so much. They're just, they're really fascinating looks at, you know, almost independent filmmaking. And these guys were just so strong willed and, and pushed through for, you know, almost 15 years of just, movie after movie after movie and there was no this insatiable appetite to produce a product um but uh avenging force is was originally written as a sequel to invasion usa uh chuck norris plays a ex-cia specialist uh from a special unit which was basically like the most ass-kicking unit there could possibly be uh named matt hunter now by this point in 86 Chuck, I believe, had done Delta Force and was doing Firewalker, so did not have an interest in in this script or continuing this character, even though most of his other characters were essentially all very similar to each other. 
mm-hmm. he turned this down. So what they did was instead of making it a sequel, you know, they, they cast Dudikoff, who was coming off of American Ninja in the role, and really, you know, didn't really mention anything from Invasion USA, kind of made it a standalone thing. The character is technically the same character, but it's a completely different look, different portrayal. There's no reference to, you know, anything that happened in Invasion USA. So it is yeah. technically a sequel, but really it's its its own movie. Yeah. This is like, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the same character through uh, The Hunt for Red October and Patriot Games and uh, that other thing that Jack ben Ryan was in. Yeah. Jack Ryan. Yeah. Who's bl- blanking on Jack Ryan there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally similar to that. I mean, you know, you've got different actors playing it and those actors are playing the character completely different. And, and the movies, you know, I think Clear and Present Danger recalls Patriot Games a tiny bit, but nothing right. really recalls Hunt for Red October. And then the Ben Affleck ones don't, you know, n- everything's different by that point. So, and then right. this this show with uh, on Amazon does, doesn't refer to any of that, I believe. Oh, right. Well, then, like, well, yeah, wasn't the Ben Affleck one a prequel to the other movies? And then this show is a prequel to everything not that again it matters but it's like it's jack ryan at certain points in his career in his life Mm -hmm. so this is i think the show is him coming from just being an analyst to a guy who has to be like firsthand involved in like what Mm -hmm. he's like investigating and then you know the other movies are him and later in his life and you know higher up in, in what he does and he's married and he's you know he's dealing directly with the president like you know right. so it's uh the, the different different stages of his career of the jack ryan character so it's like yeah. james bond uh james bond through the years jack mm-hmm. ryan is j- the, the 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 poor man's james bond is what we're yeah. saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'll go with that um <laughs> So this movie is uh, written by an actor named James Booth, who was you know a, an established British actor who was in. Have you ever seen the film Zulu? Oh no, I have not. It's a great. It's an amazing movie. One of I, I believe it's one of Michael Caine's first movies, but mm-hmm. great, fantastic movie. He was uh, you know I think he was uh, made famous from that movie, but. Um, and I think he uh, later on he was in Twin Peaks uh, season two, I believe. Uh, but he wrote the movie and uh, was directed by Sam Furstenberg, who was also coming off of American Ninja and had done some of the other canon films. He did uh, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja 3, which are some of their most popular and insanely ridiculous movies. Uh, he also did uh, Break in 2, Electric Boogaloo. And then American Ninja, and then he really wanted to stay. He he and Dudikoff like hit it off, and they and they were I think a good team with each other. I, I, you know they sh- they should have just kept kept going together all the way. But uh, so uh, the film. I'm just I, should we just sum up the plot real quick because I'm sure most people listening to this have not seen it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Give give him a give him a primer. What happened? So it, it's it's a play on uh, the most dangerous game, which is you know, a, a group of hunters who hunt people uh, for sport. And this gets a little more uh, government conspiracy potentially uh, involved with that. And um, these high, you know, high end, rich uh, 
you know, basically right wing <laughs> conservatives uh, who who their goal is to just protect the country and patriotism and are trying to stay sharp by selecting certain uh, people that'll give them a challenge and then hunting them through the Louisiana Bayou. But I think they messed with the wrong guy this time. Yeah, it looks like. Well, they <laughs> they they go after um, they go after the Larry Richards, who was yeah. Captain Matt Hunter's partner, uh, or back in the day, or you know, they served on the same platoon, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, that's the backstory. Yeah. But but, yeah. but Larry Richards is um, a black man in New Orleans running for for Senate, and and it's basically an assassinate, assassination attempt on his life. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's when that's where the the main story really kicks off. Where now uh, uh, they're going to team up and try to figure out what's going on and try to survive the night. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's so basically, yeah, like you said, Larry Richards is running for Senate, and they are. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't mention it, but they're the name of this e- these evil henchmen is the Pentangle, David. The Pentangle. Oh, right. Pentangle. Yes. Never First. forget the name. <laughs> It'll haunt you the rest of your days. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's something there's something about that. I like. I never want to say that word. <laughs> it feels um, kind um, of wrong. <laughs> I want to get real specific here as we go through, but I, just to to detail the plot a little bit more. Larry Richards is in a you know him and his family are going into this parade and where they've just announced that he's running for Senate. And one of the members of the Pentangle also happens to be a senator. So uh, they don't like this too much. And at the same time, Larry's brought uh, Matt Hunter back in to kind of work security for him. And, and they're, you know, just, you know, be part of his entourage. And, you know, during this parade, there's this massive attack. Tons of people getting killed. And they realize that, they're, that uh, Larry and, and now Matt Hunter are being hunted. Uh, by this group and then then all hell breaks loose and and the movie goes crazy <laughs> it's just like completely the, fir- the by the, the first time i saw this i think i want to say i was maybe eight years old and guess mm-hmm. what it's part of my grandma collection wow grandma grandma and you watched it wow. my uh my grandmother loved this movie owned it on vhs and when she passed away that same vhs came into my hands and uh where it's right. where it still resides to this day oh that's great <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad this was something you and your grandmother watched together. <laughs> this, I love this that. is a this is a movie grandma that. and i could bond over yeah i mean uh, i mean there were dozens of those but i love that this is part of that library just amazing <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah just let's let's go through this movie there is there is a lot to talk about of how this movie was made, how you know just just what what this is because it goes. The movie had a four million dollar budget, probably could have used at least double that. Um, yeah. you know you can see there's certain things where they dumped a lot of money into. A lot of it was put into this this um, you know parade and there's like four thousand extras and a ton of stunt people most of which were some of the the worst actors that I've seen. And some of the, some of them like weren't stunt performers, you know. Like the ones doing 
flips over motorcycles and, and explosions and that kind of stuff. Like, that's stunt people. But guys that were just getting punched and, like, knocked out, those are just Louisiana local actors. So Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could tell the difference of, like, wow, that guy is – like couldn't have taken those punches worse, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and it's like a lot of little things like that that totally take you out of the out of the movie because I don't think I don't think like conceptually the movie is that horrible. I've seen way worse ideas than this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, this this could have been a big Hollywood movie uh at almost beat by beat. Uh, I think like this totally. Is, I mean, could you could see on a bit on a bigger scale, you could see like Bruce Willis as Matt Hunter and like Samuel J- L. Jackson as Larry Richards. Yeah, or Carl Weathers. Oh, or oh boy, can you imagine you that? Can you imagine what if it was Bruce and Carl Weathers? I think you got something right there. Oh, totally. That would be the A-list version of this movie. <laughs> yeah. But we got uh, Michael Dudikoff and Steve James, who, by the way, was also in American Ninja and Delta Force. So Steve James is another uh, canon actor who uh, was also in To Live and Die in L.A., and then they would r- r- all kind of stick together for American Ninja too. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like a, like a B, this is like a B-grade action team. Yeah. That, but I mean, you know, these uh, you can tell these are these are people that take what they do seriously. I mean, Steve James, that dude is shirtless for half the movie, I think. <laughs> oh, and, and damn proud of it. He's that dude's jacked up. I mean, <laughs> like you definitely aren't gonna mess with him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the so the movie opens. I, I made I made a lot of notes as as we were rewatching this. So I'm gonna yeah. start with. Just, you know, we'll go through, not like scene by scene, but just kind of from start to finish here, what, what I, I picked out here. First of all, our death count for the movie overall, 34. Mm-hmm. So, Whoa. yeah, that's a, that's a good death count. Yeah, that's solid. Um, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised it's not bigger. It feels like it would be bigger, <laughs> but it's still a large number <laughs> over like yeah, a feel, film. It, it does feel like it could be more, but, you know... There, there's a lot of hunting going on, so there's still some small, like some slower buildups to it. Um, mm-hmm. I've got twelve judo kicks, so like <laughs> you know, essentially flying kicks at, at somebody or surprise kicks, like at the camera. Okay. Uh, I've I've got eleven uh, hip tosses, so that's you know a flip over the hip. That was okay, a yeah. that was a Dudikoff popular move. You know, Michael Dudikoff is not a was not a martial artist. He was trained to do it for these movies. So his repertoire wasn't that, you know, he couldn't do the same things like Chuck Norris or I guess even, you know, definitely Van Damme. You know, he couldn't do that stuff. So you're going to get a lot of kicks, punches, and, and flips. And that's that's kind of as far as he'd go. Whatever he could uh, pull off gracefully and look good on the camera, that's what they focused yeah. on, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I counted 10 tuck and rolls. So that's like the old William <laughs> Shatner kind of like, oh, I need to get from A to B. Let me just do a let me roll over there. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you move you move much faster by going, you know, five feet with a tuck and roll than just running over there. 
It's, yeah, I don't think there's one tuck and roll where like it was a, a move to get in cover, like away from gunfire. I think it was like it was always in the middle of a fight, or you know, or I mean, jumping from a higher from a higher uh, location. I think you you would do yeah. a tuck and roll uh, practically, but some of those did not seem practical. <laughs> it, w- it was a lot of like not yeah not dodging bullets or anything. It was just like from getting from A to B. Like I jumped down this ladder. Now I'm gonna roll, add a roll to this move, and and now I'm now I'm flying. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't like a, a roll into into something else. It was just kind of a roll, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got I've got the the common method of death in this movie is people being skewered or something going through a torso, mm-hmm. and I've got a, I've got a count of eight on that one for this. Oh my god! So eight of the thirty. Four deaths were a skewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like somebody being slammed onto a spike or a spear going or an arrow going through somebody. Um, yep. So you know, they, they they like doing it for this one. But uh, all right, so let's talk about the movie in specifics. And and you fire back at me anytime here, David. So the movie opens and in the middle of a hunt with two, uh, basically two stunt guys who are already wounded and injured and and they're in this louisiana bayou which by the way they they really they did shoot this movie these hunting scenes in a the real louisiana bayou and this is in the time well before like real safety and stunt uh you know measures were put in place um oh my gosh yeah it was uh so, you know, like Dudikoff talks about how after, you know, he spent so much time in the water and there's real like leeches and alligator. Or, or, yeah, wait, is it alligators or crocodiles? Uh, the, I think it's gators. Yeah. Gators on the bayou, right? Yeah. yeah. It's gators. Yeah. Um, you know, they're really in the water and they're not like clearing it out. And, and <laughs> he had like so many, he got really bad skin rashes and and infections and it was it was just uh, had to be a miserable experience uh you know shooting at and but that was the canon's way of just like all speed full speed ahead and we're not looking back and you know the faster we go the faster we're done (laughs) i yeah it's impressive the uh the yeah a, a lot of work in the water uh and in the woods and everything and in the mud uh yeah, and I, I was and I was sitting there. I'm like, geez, did they really? Like, did they have like experts nearby to be like, yeah, this is gonna be kind of safe here? There's, I mean, I guess I'm assuming they they knew where the gators were, so they weren't necessarily. I don't know. I mean, of, if they're <clears throat> the water is like deep enough, it's it's almost waist high in parts. So I mean, yeah. it could have been floating around there, but um, yeah. So you've got your four hunters who are hunt who hunt down these two military guys and. Right away, the like opening music cue is just it gets you in the in the in the mode. You know, it's like, oh, this is intense. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they've well, all. Meet... Yeah, go ahead. But and this is where we meet the, the 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 pentangle members hunting. So everyone gets a little bit of a spotlight, right? Where we meet sort of each one is sort of a different costumed kind of. Uh, guy on the hunt with these these two guys who are unarmed and you know running mm-hmm. around in flannel flannel shirts and and jeans. Yeah, and the, the, the so 
we immediately see four members of the pentangle. That's right, four members of the pentangle. We'll come back to that. Uh, and they each have their own distinct look. So you're very clear about who's who here. I mean, one of them, uh, the character's name is Commander Jeb Wallace. He is a in what looks like an S&M outfit. Mm-hmm. He's got a, yeah. you know, kind of a dominate, you know, not a dominatrix thing, but a, a, an S&M, you know, head covering and uh, just very... Um, I don't know, but he also like when he takes his mask off and he's this bald guy with a mustache. Looks exactly like uh, the principal of my middle school back in uh, Somers. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> that was I remember when I the first time I saw this, uh, and I already knew who that guy was. I was like, wow, Mr. Manfredi's in Avenging Force. <laughs> Did you ever bring it up to him? Uh, no, I was much too frightened of him. Okay. Was he, he was, was he, he like was, a, a large dude too, like a big jacked up dude? Oh, he, well, he wasn't jacked up, but he was definitely a former military guy and he was a yeller and a screamer and uh oh, okay. lived to intimidate us in in middle school. Cool. So, yeah, a fun guy. Um <laughs> and then with the association with this movie, I just, I would did not want to talk to him. <laughs> got it. That makes sense. <laughs> so so you've got him, you've got uh, another character named Wade Delaney, who is the guy who is a senator already, um, who's like the youngest senator in history or something. And he is, I think, got a pretty traditional military look going on. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got Charlie Laval, who's just some rich businessman who's got this white, not a scream mask, but kind of a similar look, black hood, white, you know, plain mask, right? Yeah, like a featureless uh, looking uh, mm-hmm. Face uh, like kind of ghostly, uh, you know. He's and he's cut. You, you'd never. You can't even see his eyes. I think. And uh, he's got a hood over it, so you don't even. You don't see his hair. Like he's just this like ghostly figure who's got a sword. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's the, the one with the sword. Of, yeah. Right. The three of them are hunting these two guys, and the thing that got me was. These two guys are like running through the woods and through these this bayou, and every time they cut to the members of the pentangle, they are very slowly, just like methodically, you know, walking through behind them. Yet they're still able to keep pace. Interesting. Yeah. No. They they they're the slow uh, predators uh, <laughs> making their way. Yeah. The, the, and and the prey is running and hiding yeah. and scrambling. And then, and then the distance between them just seems to shrink somehow. So, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, yeah. And yet, uh, you know, these, especially these three guys, they look, they've all got this look. Um, you know, some of them look a little more intimidating than others, but they're kind of like nincompoops. Like they, you know, these two wounded guys are able to fight them off. And or, or at least, you know, one of them is able to kind of almost get away. And then we meet the fourth member of the Pentangle, uh, who is Professor Elliot Glastonbury, played by the great John P. Ryan, who's a well-established actor. Um, yeah. And we actually he was in uh, Five Easy Pieces, which we covered last year, which you can dig out of the archives at www.reconcinimation.com. Mm, yeah. Welcome back to the podcast, Elliot. <laughs> They're John P. Um, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. But he is uh, John P. Ryan is very and and some of you might know him from the uh, the movie It's Alive, which is another cult uh, horror movie from the from the seventies. But 
He's I, I love his overacting and his intensity. Like he put two hundred percent into his performance in this movie. Oh yeah, he's making a meal out of every scene. He's yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he it. is he is all in for this dialogue and and as much you know you have to appreciate that at least he's trying. He's certainly not phoning it in. No, yeah, no, he's giving you a real character, a real yeah. <laughs> maybe not uh, an. An identifiable kind of guy, you know, or yeah. a relatable kind of guy, but he—he's—he's he's like otherworldly. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, by the time we get to Glastonbury, uh, you know, they eliminate both both of these dudes, and uh, you know, they take their masks off and are start laughing about how much you know money they owe him because he's the one who made the kill. So, and it's right. all all jolly laughs. <laughs> yeah. Then we you yeah. know we meet. Uh, then we cut to Matt Hunter, who is. I guess he's retired CIA and is working on his family's ranch with his his grandpa and his younger sister, who basically should be his daughter, right? Yeah, he's like taking care of his younger sister, but uh, the parents had died at some point years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you would if you didn't if they didn't tell you that you would think he's his daughter. His you would think she is his daughter, right? Uh, There's a huge like, age age gap there. Yeah, it just seems like a really big age gap. So. And then it's it's established that, you know, he's doing the best he can, like taking care. So, like, you know, he's got that familial relationship. He's got all these people on the ranch he's close to. Um, so he's uh, well, because that's I guess his grandfather his his grandfather works there with him. So, right. Uh, yeah. You know, he's got the family ties uh, where he lives. And um and you know the ranch, I guess, is probably an hour or two away from from New Orleans, where a right. lot of the action is set. So yeah, he's not far from his old pal. Um, and uh, yeah, so we we meet them all there, right? Right, and then they uh, pretty quickly, you know, so this so we establish Michael, the beautiful Michael Dudikoff here, uh, and we get in rhythm with his character. And again, no reference to Invasion USA. And if Chuck Norris had played this character, like. The age gap between him and the sister would be 30, 35 years, something like that. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Um, <laughs> so quickly they get, uh, you know, they head into into New Orleans to meet up with Larry Richards and get ready for the parade. Now, one thing about the his younger sister that this is the kind of decision, creative decisions that Ken and, and Golan and Globus would make. It was, it was that... Apparently, the actress they hired spoke so softly and quietly they couldn't use any of her dialogue. So they wow. redubbed all of her lines, and I mean, it just it really stands out how 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 bad that really came out after after the fact. But they didn't yeah. care. They just like that was like ah, it's fine. Keep going. Yeah, we don't have time to deal with this. So I could tell. I I wanted to say something to you. I'm like, this is this whole movie, you know, looped. Like, did they did they do ADR on this entire movie? But I, I just was really just I, the yeah, just, just the girl for the most most yeah. <laughs> okay, it but it's like weird. one of those things that like if when you're casting the the movie, if the actress can't speak loudly enough, why cast her? Why not cast another actress? Or why isn't the sound mixer saying something, right? I mean... Oh, I'm sure he probably did. Yeah, but they couldn't get it done, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's the kind of thing, like, who cares? We'll fix it later. Keep going. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the, that's the least important thing is is hearing one of your actors. <laughs> we yeah, can, we can always fix it. So, uh, so we we head to New Orleans. We meet Steve James, who plays uh, Larry Richards and his lovely family, his wife and his two sons. Uh, and then you get very quickly you get that like Matt Hunter is like an uncle to them. They're very close. They love each other, and and uh, you know they're gonna that he's been getting he's also been getting threats and anonymous phone calls and. And uh, he needs Matt to kind of work security and help protect the family. Yeah, yeah. And then comes our our biggest set piece is this parade in New Orleans where, you know, I, I don't know if it's the announcement that he's running for Senate or we don't really know much about Larry Richard's background or anything. <clears throat> and uh, God, this is this scene is is long and just filled with awesomeness and. It feels like so much of the movie's focus was put here, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of a lot of attention on this because uh, <laughs> you know it's got a it's got a lot of beats of of, of action, like or, you know or how everything plays out. So you know, it, it looks like it's supposed to be Mardi Gras. I mean, it is Mardi Gras. Yeah, it it's is like Mardi, Mardi Gras. Gras You're right. yeah. they, they're throwing out beads, and you know, so it's supposed to be like a public event that he's just a part of. I don't think it's like. It's not about him, but right, uh, right. He's just a, a part of the, yeah, of of the parade. Yeah. So you know, it's. Uh, I mean, and you're you're not kidding. Like they didn't really fake it. It's it looks like a huge parade. Um, yeah. Just on the people on the streets, people up on the balconies, people surrounding it everywhere. Um, and then you know you you. <laughs> you you see the first time you see something's kind of up is like a guy sort of watching from the stands yeah and then you see you see these two women with baby <laughs> carriages kind of strolling <laughs> yep. up and then it and then they're there and they seem like normal enough women and then they they take babies out of the strollers and walk away uh because <laughs> two right because like two two other dudes are are approach the stroller so clearly like they're they're there on per- like they're in on it, and then where the babies were sitting in the stroller, there's there's Uzis and handguns. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the giveaway is like so right, right almost right away you get this kind of creepy music. The music changes, and it's like Dudikoff can sense that the music has changed <laughs> because suddenly yeah, yeah. he just knows something's up. Yeah, <laughs> and you see these these um really bad extras or not extras actors who are you know supposed to be in the the band you know playing along in, in the in the party and yet they're not playing the instruments almost at all and they look oh, that's very right. suspicious that's right <laughs> and they got, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> right and then they they kind of maneuver over to these strollers where the the women the mothers like pick the babies up and walk away and then of course, there's a massive amount of guns in the strollers, uh, yeah. as, as is always true. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so then it's this massive shootout. So uh, the parade is attacked. There's there's this gunfight, and this is also where we realize that the pentangle is about as um, as well put together as Cobra. Would you say? Would you compare them to Cobra? Yeah, and I'm never quite hitting their marks, yeah. <laughs> and then and, and and basically bumbling their way through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, they're massacring like everybody, yet they cannot hit their actual target. <laughs> yeah, I mean they 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 start 
blown away the the float that Larry's on with his family. So yeah, Larry's son is shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, his one older of the kids. son. And, yeah, and his older son is probably what like supposed to be. 14 15 or something so something like, like that shoot, yeah they shoot a kid you know like they uh yeah as, as well as a lot around. of like yeah like this is where you can tell oh this is serious because not only are they shooting just like random people in the crowd but like a child gets shot uh and then uh and it's it's tense because now larry and and matt have to like try to protect their protect themselves and and get these guys yeah, I mean, now that you've got the revenge, but, you know, you've got this great <clears throat> fight sequence where these guys are massacring everybody, yet can't hit, uh, you know, they do hit uh, Larry Richard's son, but they don't hit Larry, they don't hit Matt Hunter. And then as soon as they can maneuver to, like, a defensive position, then they they just kick their ass. And, you know, there's cops getting shot by, by the, the, yeah. the henchmen from the Pentangle, and, but yet, you know, Dudikoff and Steve James can completely destroy them and kick their ass so bad. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody, nobody can take these guys down except for like for these two schmoes. Yeah. Well, not that they're schmoes, but they're like they're the only ones trained well enough to take these guys down. The cops are useless. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. And this and is really one... where it stood out. The like the the bad, you know, stunt acting because these guys just like. They cannot sell these punches and flips and elbows uh, well like a, like an actual stunt person would. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's like one or two swings, and then they move on to the next take or next shot. Yeah. Like, that's it. Just get it done. But yeah. This, that, this whole thing still must have taken at least a few days, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I think it this took at least a week to shoot this sequence. Yeah, so – uh it's it's very large it's it's i yeah i think you're right like probably the biggest biggest part of the movie is this like the production wise yeah production value wise yeah yeah so they you know then we go to the hospital his older son has died they're everyone's very sad and uh the pentangles on their case though because they they uh you know are calling larry richards to try and set him up uh, for a, a tv interview and they're gonna lure him to the place where most TV interviews are done, and that's an abandoned, uh, you know, shipyard, uh, shipping yard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's he, where they, he, that's where they always do those, right? Yeah, and he's like, they know it's a trap, uh, and like obviously it would be, but like, it, it's it, the Pentangle couldn't come up with a better, a better solution to get them anywhere, like to maybe, <laughs> yeah. to maybe fool him or at least give him some some sense of ease like <laughs> yeah no nope. like the shipping yard where there are no workers anywhere no no workers but a lot of a lot of it's almost like a junkyard in a way it's like a lot of shipping containers and uh yeah. you know uh i guess what it's like a what do you call like those factories. it's not a um yeah yeah Kind of like factories or pipeline, you know, some weird yeah. refinery kind of looking place. Yeah, like a refinery, like like an abandoned yeah. oil refinery, really. Yeah, something like that. So there's it's it's visually interesting because you've got like they were able to shoot all these chases uh, in there where it's a lot of stuff you can hop around and get behind and run across and get to different levels and you know and. So it's visually like it's a great location for an action movie, which is, this is not the first time you'd see it in any action movie. But 
Uh, it's a pretty good lo- it's a pretty good location for all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. And for production wise, it's like they could do whatever they want. They um, you know they have the whole place to themselves. It's like ten pentangle henchmen uh, going after these two guys, and and they're just really like if you like you know hand to hand combat <laughs> like this is great cuz they're just like <laughs> basically destroying these guys and there's a lot of tossing henchmen off of you know high platforms and you know more yet more tuck and rolls more hip tosses a lot of flying kicks <laughs> and you know like at one point Dudikoff goes up to the top of there's one henchman who's like at the top of this crane like, how did he get up there? When did he get up there? <laughs> and how yeah. can Dudikoff in cowboy boots uh, climb his way silently up there and then just wreck this guy? Yeah, because he, like, appears two feet behind him. It's not like he had to do this, like, slow approach. It's like he hops up there <laughs> right. and he's two feet behind him on this metal thing. Like, it doesn't make sense he could get the drop on him. It's so And silly. it's insane. You, you like you can tell that is Michael Dudikoff with no safety harnesses, no safety lines. Like he's really, I don't know, fifty feet up, you know, uh, on this crane. That if he slipped, like that would be it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's it seems dangerous. <laughs> it all seems so dangerous. Yeah, the danger is uh, real. And of course, yeah, the danger is real. That's avenging force. Um, and of course, they fend them off again uh, with just a little scathing. Just just got scathed a little tiny bit. Uh, certainly not due to cough, but Steve James got uh, one bullet grazing. I think um, that's right. And then uh, you know the pentangle retreats, and they head off back to uh, back to Matt Hunter's ranch, where now we've met at this point in the movie. Hunter has reported back to his, you know, former CIA boss, who's actually uh, uh, the writer of the movie, uh, James Booth, uh, plays Admiral Brown and the leader of also the most incompetent government agents I've ever seen in film. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's quite a group. They're just in this one room by themselves, and you're supposed to believe that they're the, this this group of the CIA in New Orleans has you know been tracking and trying to get to the Pentangle, and uh, yeah, they can't uh, they can't figure out loaded. anything about the Pentangle. You know, these are guys who basically are like the Ed Wood scratching their head with like a loaded gun kind of dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the Pentangle who do all of these things in broad daylight in very public places. Yet they can't seem to like get any make any progress about figuring out who they are, where they come from, what they are. It's it's oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah. At this point have we met have we met the Pentangle and their little their little yeah. uh um like sort of martial arts sort of exhibition where you basically learn that the Pentangle has 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 a has a far reach, uh far greater than anyone could know, that they are the greatest like force on the planet, like the, and the greatest warriors on the planet too. Like they're, they're unbelievably great at what they do. And, uh, and then also they're 
they're white nationalists. <laughs> like the 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 oh, reason yeah. they go after Larry is because he is a Negro. Like they they say it very specifically. They throw like, the they throw the N word out. Uh, you yeah. know, it's mostly it's mostly. So yeah, we cut to the American Survival Association. We see a quick right. little sign that it's this. You know, uh, evil fencing exhibition, I guess. But yeah, some some martial arts uh, sword fighting. I, not quite fencing, but yeah, but, right. It's a very specific style. Yeah, and we see we we meet up with our hunters from the beginning of the movie. Who you know, we we are introduced to each one of them, so we see who they are, and they're this, you know, group of super rich white nationalists who. Uh, you know, led by Elliot Glastonbury, who gives the most, you know, not to be too political, but like super, super, you know, extreme conservative uh, and racist speech that, oh, my God, it's it's uh, it's intense. Yeah, they may as well be Nazis or something, you know, like, but they're not they're they're not they're American bred, uh, you know, racist sort of nationalists. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, uh, and they're very powerful, <laughs> and with some of also some of the worst extras I've seen. Just if you next time you watch this movie, David, next time we str- we uh, screen it in the big theater, because mm-hmm. um, this will be in theater number one. Um, <laughs> just watch the extras in a lot of these scenes because they are just de- either either deadpan, no emotion, or way too much emotion. Mm-hmm. When Glastonbury gives his rousing speech, it's just watch some of them. It, it's it's hilarious. It's what's funny is you think I'm gonna watch this movie again. <laughs> oh no, I know you're gonna. <laughs> so the Look, crew is back at the ranch. Uh, no, okay, <clears throat> go ahead. No, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. Yeah, no, the the um the they're back at the ranch and it seems like all is well. Everything's peaceful. The kids are all in bed. The uh, the FBI guys have been or the, you know, the CIA guys are now dispatched to uh, protect, um, you know, Larry and his family at the ranch and they're playing cards. And, you know, you've got like the the, the Pentangle members have decided that they're going to take upon themselves since their henchmen were completely incompetent, that they're going to take it upon themselves to take care of business. Yeah. Uh, so and, four, and the the four of them are grouping up and, and, and scouting the house where the CIA guys are with their shotguns, playing cards, like you said, and also eating soup on the yeah, porch. Yeah, a lot of soup. A lot of soup. <laughs> lot of really soup. heavy on the soup. Like, hey, I'm hungry. How about some soup? All right. <laughs> I've never seen. It was so oh God. <laughs> like like the one guy who's like goes in and gets his bowl of soup, and then he comes like, I'm going to put my, my Uzi down and just sit here in this rocking chair and enjoy some soup on this night. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous and you know yet another like i guess this is the third kind of major action scene the pentangle attacks and actually achieves their goal of they wreck these guys i mean they take out the cia in the like most amusing ways a lot of you know the the soup dude gets shot in the throat immediately they're jump all the other guys, get rid of them. And then they're firing, you know, rocket, you know, RPGs into the house. They take mm-hmm. out grandpa, the rest of the CIA guys. And then it's, you know, quickly it's down to, to Larry Richards, his family and Matt and his younger sister who are upstairs. 
Yeah, they're they're <clears throat> yeah. All all the protection is gone. Everyone's everyone's dead. So now the the pentangle versus the families that are left. Uh, does it go well for the for for Team Hunter and Team Richards? Oh God, it it goes all to hell for Team Hunter right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, so the house is lit on fire. Larry, um, Larry, you know, realizes that he's left his his remaining son is left upstairs in this burning house, which, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of firework going on here. It's not these aren't these aren't cheap little flames. No. Yeah. They, they, there's so much firework going on. It, it was impressive. I'm like, this can't be as safe as it is. It is. I mean, I'm sure it's safe enough. But boy, oh, boy, it was uh it's it's they're not messing around with this <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so you know larry and matt hunter go back in the house to get his son while uh, larry's wife and matt's sister are sent outside and the farm where they're immediately caught and larry's wife is executed right there <laughs> yes um, yes then they also take out uh Larry is shot and shot with an arrow at the same time as they go back in he does rescue his son and his dying wish as he falls back into the flames. He hands his son to Matt Hunter and his dying wish is, don't let them get my son. Don't let my son die. Yeah, yeah. He puts it on. And what, what, so, and then unfortunately we say farewell to Steve James. We'll see you in American Ninja 2 <laughs> um, as he, he has a death fall into the flames. What is the yeah. very next thing that happens to Matt Hunter and Larry Richard's son, David? Um, well, they get outside, and then uh, uh, basically the son is is executed on the uh, on the ground, <laughs> and 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 Matt Hunter is shot through the leg with an arrow, and then his sister is now being held. Well, hostage. wait, 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 hold wait. it right there. So. Wait, what they, <laughs> So what Matt comes out of the roof, and that's where he's shot in the leg with an arrow, and he oh, drops right. the kid, who immediately morphs into this clearly, you know, he's a dummy. I mean, it's it's not even like a stunt. It's just this dummy flying through the air, bending in ways that humans don't bend. And then yeah. once they land on the ground, they execute the kid. So he's right. immediately, within 30 seconds, has has failed in, in his best friend's dying wish. Yeah, I forgot that's how they got down to the ground. <laughs> like, they didn't go out their front door. Yeah, the, the, the kid, fa- the kid d- uh, dummy, like, falls and then, like, hits something on the way down, I think, and then, you know, kind of tumbles, and it just looks so bad. It looks like a mm-hmm. vicious fall that if a person took, <clears throat> they'd be, they would be pr- probably wrecked, like, or just dead. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, so then he has to sit there and watch while the, the kid's executed. Uh, and then now they've got the the sister, and then they the pentangles impressed with his work so much and his skill that they they tell him to in two weeks uh, come to the bayou or, or whatever, and so we can hunt you. I think. Like, yeah, come they, come they, get your sister. We'll hold your sister yeah. hostage. You come get her, and then we'll hunt both of you. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> He's got no choice. He's gonna have to do that. And he in shot the through meantime, the thigh, though. right? Like, isn't the yeah, arrow yeah. through on like the, his thigh? Like, ooh, <laughs> vicious. Yeah. And in and the meantime, this whole time, we have still, David, we've only met four members of the Pentangle. 
Right, right. We don't know who the fifth member is. I mean, was your curiosity, like, that part of your brain just going wild at this point? <laughs> That's all I could think about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Dudikoff goes back to the CIA, to James Booth, and, uh, you know, blows up at him that, like, how did they know where our ranch was? There's a there's a mole on the inside. Someone's got to be feeding, you know, the, the pentangles everywhere. They've got they've got eyes and ears everywhere. They're so powerful. Uh, but he so he threatens him. He said, if any anything happens to my sister, he's going to hold everyone here responsible. So look out. Now, if that came from Chuck Norris, it would be, you know, there would be hell to pay. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it, seem, from, it would seem more threatening if it came from Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would be, I would be, especially from the way he handled things in Invasion USA. Yeah, I, I'd be, uh, I'd be shaken. But uh, so he's gonna go. He's gonna go to the Bayou, and he does, and he meets the weirdest group of um, Bayou hillbillies, um, gun-toting Bayou hillbillies that I've seen. Yeah, it's it's quite a collection of people who are drinking moonshine and playing music and just just kind of it's a big community of, of folks. So he, he knows where to go uh, and he's he's going to try to find his sister as he and and they're all aware that he's there. Everybody, everybody knows he's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Because isn't he ushered? In front. Oh of, yeah. In front of. Yeah, they're uh, they're expecting him. So. Yeah. And he's walking so the, perfectly, by the way. So the two weeks have passed, and he's completely healed up. As far totally. As yeah. Hundred yeah. percent healed. They kind of guide him to this weird um, crossdresser person. Yeah. Yeah. This bully. He's it, it basically a a madam of 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 all these women who are available. Uh, and including like, and and he's got he's got the sister right. Like they're they're dolling up right. the, the sister. Yeah, they're dolling up the sister to start you know selling her as a prostitute, and uh, um, he gets there just in time. And watching from above, like weirdly watching from this rundown house, uh, is the Pentangle observing Matt Hunter's every move. Uh, once he's got his sister back, then. The hunt is on. I mean, there. Then we're back in the same bayou from the opening scene of the movie, and uh, they're they're going after Matt full full speed ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Boy, and this is this is where the movie. This is the climax of the movie. There, you think there was a little too much rain? I mean, it is nonstop pouring at night and during the daytime. You think that was yeah. uh, needed? I think so. I think it. <laughs> I, I mean, you can t- you can tell they were they were doing artificial rain for everything. Uh, it'd be like the brightest sunny day, and they're fighting in the they're doing hand to hand combat in the swamp in the rain. Uh, I feel like it's you know meant to create more chaos and and make it more interesting if these are like just, just throwing punches and kicks and and wrestling mm-hmm. moves. And Matt Hunter, you know, basically he fights these guys one by one. Yeah, um, I th- I believe, but it's, it's so it's one on one fighting, and Matt Hunter gets his ass kicked by <laughs> yeah. each by each guy, like like without a he's not even getting in like good hits, like like it's not like it's a a battle between you know two strong titans. It's like no, he's like dominated by each guy for the most part mm-hmm. for in every fight. It's really well, weird. And th- like, and this is where great. there's a huge, 
this is where there's a huge difference between Chuck and uh, and Dudikoff in that Dudikoff is you know gets his ass kicked and then kind of comes back with one move and takes the guy out. Right. It's just one whereas Chuck good would just move. be like Chuck would just be slaughtering them the whole way through. Like Chuck doesn't really get his ass kicked too much. Yeah, um, he might occasionally take a punch in those in his movies, right? Like, but he doesn't. Right. He doesn't. He he takes care of business. So, oh yeah. Uh, listen, and I, listen. I like an act like the, if the star, or the act, you know, if he's gonna take hits and and everything. But I, I like a back and forth kind of thing instead of him just getting beat down three times yeah. into the water. Like, yeah. Uh, it, it's so it's. I don't know. You, you, you could have had a more interesting fight, I think, each time. It's it could have been a lot more fun, but it's just kind yeah, of yeah. It's like kind of like it's kind of like top, three of the so. same fight over and over. Um, and then there's lots of there's lots of body slams into the the disgusting bayou water and uh, kicks and flips and skewering. You know. Lot, yep. Yep. Skewering lot, onto a lot tree of impaling. branches. Yep. Impaling <laughs> night a uh, sword through the heart kind of thing yep. and. It's uh yeah, it's pretty vicious. So, but but either way, you know, Matt Hunter is is uh, reducing the numbers of the pentangle. So, uh, pretty quickly, it's down to a a, a one tangle. As well, I mean, really a two well, tangle. Well, a, a two a a, a, a duo a, a do angle. Do angle? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, again, we still haven't met the fifth. So, but he takes out the three guys. And then how does then he's fighting? He's fighting with Elliot Glastonbury and stabs him in like the thigh or the crotch. And Glastonbury kind of like escapes and gets away. And and Matt grabs his sister and they both kind of like retreat. Um, You know, he brings his sister back to the CIA as proof of like, you know, as a witness to like what has happened here, threatens uh, James Booth again. And is sort of accusing, like, who could it possibly be? Could James Booth be the fifth member of the Pentangle? Is it possible? It's possible. Yeah, at this point, he's like, he knows that it's an inside, there's an inside man helping the Pentangle. Uh, right. Because there'd be no way, there'd be no way that they, they would have attacked at the ranch and then nowhere to find him and all of that. So, right. you know, this is the, the suspicions being thrown. Yeah, and then, uh, but but there's still, uh, you know, one known member of the Pentangle he's got to take care of. So of course, he goes to Glastonbury's uh, beautiful mansion, and who he's, <laughs> this is it feels like this is hours later because he's still wearing the same clothes, he's still dirty, like he's like this this can't yeah. have been much later, right? No, yeah, it's the same day. He's wearing the same clothes, like yeah, you're like you said, he, he's dried off, I guess, you know, from the rain, but. Uh, he's still all messed up, and then Elliot's there, like hosting a dinner party, or yeah. or just having people. He's got over, another. Like... He's got another white nationalist uh, dinner party going on with all new faces of bad, yeah. bad extras. Yeah, and it, no guys. sign, no sign of injury at all. Like, he, dude, yeah. the dude just got stabbed with a large knife in the crotch, and nothing. He's fine. He's fine. He's he's about his business. <laughs> yeah, petting his evil cat as villains do. Mm-hmm. And, That's right. He's uh, got a kitten. And, it's a kitten. Yeah, kitten. Right. 
Uh, and then, of course, he's very uh, cordially invites Matt Hunter to his game room where it's filled with weapons and they have uh, a lovely fight scene. It's 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 a masterpiece. I love it. It's so yeah, amusing. Well, yeah. Well, and like they have like a the, this is where uh, Elliot really he kind of like monologues to him a bit and they kind of go back and forth. So it's really this they have like a nice little setup before it's like and he tells mm-hmm. them to choose his weapon he tells hunter to pick a weapon and like they can they're in this just up upstairs foyer and starting this fight up there and it it and it kind of goes on right like they it, oh yeah at least it's at least a little bit of a back more of a back and forth now rather than like a a total beat down like yeah they, they they exchange blows oh yeah uh, no no matt good. hunter gets his ass kicked again yeah, but <laughs> I think he got some licks. Didn't he get some licks in? I feel like he. Yeah, he gets. Was, yeah, it goes. It's a little more back and forth. But Hunter is definitely getting his ass kicked when, of course, he notices an object uh, sticking out that would be perfect to have a body thrown into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's his patented move. Yeah, it's uh, it's his go-to. And we have an incredible uh, death scene. Uh, from John Ryan that is, uh, I would say it's unrivaled. <laughs> he goes down. He, uh, he's down. He's down. The, uh, the four members of the Pentangle are, are, are now taken out, and uh, Hunter's got to make one final threatening scene with potentially the fifth member of the Pentangle, maybe, unproven. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then a great walk into the camera, and we get a beautiful '80s freeze frame to close out the movie, and and that's Avenging Force. And we get, by the way, a great score by the one and only George S. Clinton, who yeah, you would know from uh, your favorite movie, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, absolutely. That's I was actually I, that was one of the things I wrote down because in the opening credits, I was like George S. Clinton. All right. Yeah, it's like whoa, <laughs> it's some somebody made it out of this. <laughs> yep, I remember. I I'm aware of him. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, um, awesome, by the way. <laughs> I I you know I I appreciate this movie. I you know it's is it one of you know they it's funny because they acted and treated it like this was really like an A list action movie, and it's not. It's it's you know a B or C level action movie, but I have so much fun with it. Like, and that's why I enjoy it. Like. I know it's yeah. not, it's not first blood, and it's not die hard, and it's not, uh, you know, there's not this really compelling story or acting going on. But that's part of the charm of it. It's, it's one of those. It's like so. I wouldn't even say it's so bad. It's good because there's way worse movies than this. But it just entertains me. I have a good time with it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I find it to be super. If you like these kind of canon action movies, super rewatchable. Yeah, I could see it. I, I get I, I get it. Like, and I'm I'm with you in terms of like understanding like what it is and um, what it's not trying to be. It's it's its own thing. But I, it is for as much as you know, we're laughing at basically every single aspect of what's happening. It's made very earnestly, and I would think at least it's made competently. You know, there's oh yeah, there's things there's things that there's every everything that we're like laughing about. You 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 improve with a budget, you know, so mm-hmm. more time with stunts, more choreography, um, right. just more, you, you, you could have better, better equipment to get better shots. Um, 
and you know and depending on how you cut it together you know you could you could have the same exact movie um but it could be quote unquote more entertaining or at least like more appealing to to people but i i i kind of get it like i understand why you're entertained by it. i and i i was entertained by it for sure i mean i i think it's 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 definitely a definitely a thing i think it's yeah because of the earnestness of it because it's like you know everyone trying to do a good job with it um and you can tell yeah it's it's uh i'm i'm not in the it's so bad it's good i i I agree with you it's not that it's not bad like right at all yeah it is it just is um so yeah if if this gets your gets you going this is this is it this is a good one <laughs> yeah and the funny thing is that this movie was uh, you know most of the canon library is owned by mgm um or warner brothers and but this is one that kind of slipped through the cracks this was at the point where uh, you know mgm was was walking away from you know their deal with canon and they had been burned a few times and were kind of you know, they had a lot higher expectations for some of these movies. And then when the, the dailies started coming back or the final cuts, they were just like, what, what is this movie? Like, how could they do this? So they did not distribute this movie, which really hurt it because, you know, a movie like American Ninja, everybody knows what that is. Everybody, at least, you know, may not have seen it, but they know of it, uh, you know, and, and what the movie is. This one really only got like canon had to distribute it themselves so it only came out in like 500 theaters and and was much harder to find on video like once once vhs went away this movie was gone for a while it came out on blu-ray in like 2014 so there's a long gap where you could not find this movie so so it's just been in the vault uh you know for a long time after after it was after vhs went away so a whole new generation could get behind. Yeah, thank God. Thank God, I had my grandmother who who owned this movie, so you know we could watch it whenever we wanted. Yeah, she <laughs> she was forward thinking in that way. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think uh, rewatchable. I I def I think it is. I put it up there. You know, it's not. Uh, you know, don't. If you don't go in with super high expectations for it, you can have a really, really good time with this movie. So I, I love it on that sense. It's weird. It's like, am I going to rank this movie higher than some of the major movies we've looked at? Maybe. I don't know. How many Jack Burtons would you give it? Um, I'd probably be like a five and a half, maybe. But Which I think beats my Monster Squad rating for sure. So... <laughs> Uh, five and uh, a half, maybe. I don't know. Five, five and five, five and a half. I'm gonna give That's it fun. a. I'm gonna give it a seven or eight, just because I have a damn good time with it. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's our. The That's movie. Good look, score. the movie is 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 meant to entertain you, and yeah, maybe they intended it to, to be a high quality action movie, and it entertains me more of the action comedy style. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like I, I still love it. Sure. Good. Good. You should love it. It's 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 great. <laughs> it's it's And you fine. can tell it's really like it's a vehicle to really boost Michael Dudikoff back up, you know, up to that that next action level which really like never took hold. You know, they had promised him a lot and 
you know, told him that the, his movies were going to get bigger and bigger budgets, and they were the American Ninja was going to be a big franchise, and and you know, we ta- again we talked about it in another other episode, but you know, they were promising Dudikoff was going to be Spider Man, he was going to be Captain America, and all this was like going to happen, and then it never did, and it was, you know, there was no other producers who really swept in and took Dudikoff under their wing. Uh, to kind of mold him into that, um, you know, could Dudikoff have played, you know, roles that like Michael Bean got? Maybe. Uh, Mike, I think Michael Bean is. I love Michael Bean. I, I don't know if he sure. would have done as well, but you know, could have fit in that kind of thing, but never really got there, and just kind of spent the rest of his career um, doing you know lower budget action movies, and he certainly did well off of those, but. Uh, not really the household name that I think he was hoping for and they wanted for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, it's, you know, you, you, part of your thing as an actor in this town is, you know, you have a reputation like, though he does those kinds of movies or he's a TV actor. I mean, this right. TV, uh, you know, it's not so much today like, oh, a TV actor can't is like frowned upon. They They can't do features, but things have changed in that way but that for a long time i was like this guy does movies this guy does tv and never never so you know certain careers could only go in a certain direction i think um especially if the things he's doing are not like super prop uh popular or profitable and um he's sort of associated with the actual product versus like I don't know what. How good are his auditions? I mean, who who mm-hmm. knows what his his audition reel looks like? He could, um, but you know, it's uh, you know, it's just that's what happened. That's where he is. So good for him to at least have like a, a long career doing to being a working actor, which is all you mm-hmm. really ask for. So yeah, he's got a, a lot of credits. You know, he kept working. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he 80s, kept going. 90s and today. Yeah. yeah, and he had a series in in the '90s, and you know he he ended up doing okay. He's not, you know, wasn't like an A list celebrity, but he 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 always worked. And uh, and you know we lost Steve James, and I think nineteen, uh, I want to say it was '89 or it might have been ni- the early '90s that he got uh, I think pancreatic cancer and passed away. So unfortunately, the the team, the tag team of Dudikoff and James, didn't last uh, much longer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was 93, uh, he passed away, yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know he was in The Warriors, Steve James. Yeah, apparently. I think that's one of his very first movies, but... Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and, and I, you know, I love John P. Ryan in this. The yeah. He's just very over-the-top and dramatic and, and more than the role called for, and I, I think Elliot Glastonbury is one of my... <laughs> low-key favorite villains for sure he's yeah he's he's great in that and you know what i didn't put together um charlie laval was one of the pentangle guys he's played by mark alamo alamo yes yes um which i had no idea but he i hadn't put it together that he played a character uh, named gold ducat in uh star trek deep space nine um if you when he wasn't in other features and stuff like that, but Goldacott yeah. is like one of the greatest characters of that series. Um, he ah, wasn't a yeah. main cast member, um, but I didn't I didn't put it together. He, he looks so familiar to me. I've definitely seen him in those other films. Like he, I think he's he he shows up in Tango and Cash. He yeah, he's one of the villains in Tango Total, and Cash. Yeah, so yeah, and he's in Total Recall, I guess, for a minute. So he's definitely a guy I, I from I remember, but I mm-hmm. I never really put together what 
what he looked like without his makeup but um you know he, he uh yeah i i he's 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 probably uh, he's one of my favorite uh, of the of the of the pentangle <laughs> yeah and the other guy went back to being uh, the principal at my middle school so yeah you know what happened exactly. to him <laughs> yeah, he went back to education so. yeah. um so. yeah but uh i don't know i i love the movie and i i appreciate uh the canon films for what they are and it's been it's been fun to uh to look back at it when i watch this movie there's other lots of like little things that i find just hilarious you know there, there's one scene of the pentangle when they're all they're all um at the shooting range and it kind of pans down the line of each of them as their target you know doing target oh, yeah. practice and oh, elliot glastonbury's shooting from the hip and perfectly hitting the target <clears throat> and his other thumb is like tucked into his belt he just looks amazing they should have made a poster mm-hmm. of that <laughs> yeah the, sti- <laughs> the style of some of the the gun wielding is uh very interesting <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but uh, yeah. I've always got a uh, space for uh, Canon films in my heart a little bit. And I think they're the legacy of the amount of movies they made uh, will, will live on. And some of them are entrenched in bigger franchises like Superman and I, I guess He-Man, um, you know, but uh, they certainly made their mark. Yeah, this, this movie, and we'll have to come back to this movie because you and I, I think have very, different ideas about like what and i think part of why i really like this movie is because of the action that they do in it you know whether or not it's all executed well it's just it's a lot of fun like having these these action set pieces and uh, you know violence um <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's presented in a certain way and i'm i'm definitely a action movie fan you know i enjoy that and i'm i do like action movies that are like bigger budget you know hollywood style type um, in going into even like the modern era, whereas like I feel like you a certain year or something, <laughs> action movies are not your thing. So like yeah. you don't you don't think they're entertaining, <laughs> but they're 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 no better than this movie like, by any stretch. Like so, there's this. I, I feel like next time we do an action movie, where uh, we need we need to bring this back because I need to I need to pick apart the differences between like <laughs> okay you. What you why you think Face Off is a shitty action movie, and then this one, this movie probably entertains you more than that movie. I'm just okay. We're, we're, we're so gonna... we'll 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 definitely bring this back when we when we go on like say a big budget action movie. That I I do, I do have a retort for that, which I'll save for that episode. So we'll do let's do a, a at some point down the road we'll do an Avenging Force versus Face Off. Um, you know, compare and contrast. Yeah, well, it's not like I'm not saying I'm not saying there's something wrong with your opinion, but it's it's sort of it it makes me like scratch my head. I'm like, oh, you like cheesy action, like with a movie that with a, a with like a kind of a loose story that isn't really believable. And I'm like, that's like all these ninety movies, nineties movies I love, two thousands movies I love, like and that you you're not really a fan of. And it it kind of it'll be interesting like, to like to talk wanted, about like wanted, that wanted I hate so much. Yeah, but that's that that movie's completely bonkers, and I'm not saying I <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, I liked it because it was it took place in Chicago and filmed there, and I was living there at the time. But it doesn't. Uh, but I also like a lot of the stuff they do. Uh, 
and I don't know. So yeah, that we'll we'll definitely have to get into it because you are a, a, an enigma to me when it comes to action movies. <laughs> That's that's me. I'm an enigma. I hear it all the time. <laughs> but but yeah, well, I, I look is... forward to that. I think that'll be fun. So uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll book that for down the road. We'll have to get something going. But yeah, this was fun to screen this movie with you uh, since I had never seen it before. And, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good time. <clears throat> and I love, you know, most people haven't. So let's get the, the term avenging force, Michael Dudikoff, and of course, the Pendangle. Pentangle. Let's get that, uh, uh, you know, uh, trending on Twitter worldwide. Yeah, hashtag Pentangle. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> David, I just have a question for you. I saw a business card in your uh, coming out of your sticking out of your briefcase the other day. Uh-oh. Uh There's a symbol on there. Are mm-hmm. you the fifth member of the Pentangle? No comment. No, I don't know. <laughs> what do you? Don't go rifling through my stuff. <laughs> Just stay out of my office. I thought I I did some background checking, and it looked like you've changed your name. Your original last name was Glastonbury. That's nope. Not uh, that was a sealed document. I don't know where you found that. The uh, co- I have listen, the court unseal it. It's fine. Listen, I've got a thing happening soon. I'm in my tux. I got a lot of people coming over, uh, so I got an event to go to tonight. You're not invited. Uh, it's a very private event, so. Okay, is it uh, uh, the got, Survival Association again? That, yeah, I know you like, that's a hobby of yours. I have, you know, I, I, I belong to a lot of different organizations, and, you know, that, that might be one of them. So I just got, I got, I got stuff to do. I got I to gotta, I gotta get out of okay. here. Okay, all right. Well, I don't want to get in your way. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to just go on down to the beach with my, my pal Michael Dudikoff, and we'll talk about it. So uh, maybe we'll see you next week. We've got a great lineup coming up soon. Uh, we've got some good shows that I'm really excited about covering uh, the rest of this as we get closer to the summer. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll see you guys next time. Oh, wait, I didn't even do our plugs, David. we got to say thank oh, yeah. you to uh, <laughs> E.K. Wimmer for our theme music. And you can check out his podcast, Laser Graves, where I think he's actually broken down Avenging Force as well. Um, thank you to Curtis Moore for our, uh, the poster, as always. And uh, check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Reconcinimation Podcast. And drop us a line there and and, uh, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Do it. Get there. And, of course, you can always find us uh, at www.reconcinimation.com. Check out our library and our archives. We've got a lot of fun shows in there. And uh, we've got a lot lot of good ones coming up down the road. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. we're, We're here for you. Uh, come come along in the journey of movies and movie making and love for cinema. That's us. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. <laughs> all right. We'll see you uh, next time. Stay tuned. Uh, www.reconcinimation.com and Reconcinimation Podcast. Bye now. <laughs>